Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. This is Ashley from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you, Ashley, for introducing our tennis podcast from day one at the Billie Jean King Cup Finals in Glasgow, where Matt is sitting illuminated by his computer screen and hopefully some other lighting, unlike yesterday, uh, right next to court number one in Glasgow, Matt. Yes, or to be more specific, the Sir Chris Hoy Velodrome, which for the purpose of this event is court one. Uh, it's quite an interesting viewing experience. I'm, I mean, you're quite a long way from the court as a spectator because there's literally a cycling track between you and the court, which I had to climb up to get to the seats I'm currently in. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see it in use for the first time tomorrow. It's a bit like the uh, the indoor equivalent of um, the London Stadium, mm. the West Ham Football Stadium, where there's and others, of course, around the world, where you've got the athletics track separating the football pitch from the from the stands. Yeah, you'll have gathered that Catherine Whitaker's here, um, and uh, I can't vouch for a mood because right now, Catherine, you're doing what? I'm watching Reading lose away to Watford, a game that I was actually supposed to be at. Uh, but the universe intervened to prevent me from having to see this with my own eyes. I've just learned who our reserve keeper is. Right. He's called he's called Dean. All right. you? <laughs> okay, Dean. Come on. Play a blinder. Catherine's relying uh, on you. Okay. Yeah, one nil down and bringing on the reserve keeper because the other one's got some sort of concussion. Oh, doesn't goodness. doesn't say it's not good omens, but anyway, we'll get, I've get got a well podcast soon. to focus on. Reading, well, Reading number one, um, and Joe uh, Lumley. Okay, like We're, Joanna Lumley, to, but to tennis podcast easy, listeners learning a lot here. Uh, well, you asked, David. You I did asked. ask. It's my anyway. fault. Uh, okay, well, we've got a WTA finals final to review. I, I always find that quite a strange little. Mm. 
combination of words to, to say. But anyway, I've said it uh, with Caroline Garcia winning the title for me. So well done, Caroline. Uh, because that was the most important thing. We'll talk about that later. Uh, we'll talk about day one in Glasgow because the event's underway. Only two matches, only two ties played today. It's It really gets going tomorrow, doesn't it, in terms of lots and lots of stuff going on all at the same time. But, I mean, Matt, the the matches, you know, there was me banging on about how good it is to have deciding tie doubles rubbers and we haven't had any of those today have we we haven't no um i feel like part of my responsibility here is to hype this event a little bit but i must say today was no better than fine there were some enjoyable matches but there were not the cracking ties that we were hoping for and as you said the fact that neither tie went down to the deciding doubles was a little bit of a disappointment of course all the captains uh very much say what they're supposed to say in that in a round robin format the doubles does still matter because there is a difference between three zero and two one so it's possible that in a few days time we might look back on the fact that slovakia managed to win the doubles uh, rubber today and, and make that tie only a 2-1 loss rather than a 3-0 loss. Um, but I think for most people, those final doubles matches at 2-0 do feel a little bit dead. So it's been, it's been a shame that we didn't get a deciding one today. Mm. Fortunately, there's still time. I now understand, Catherine, why a few months ago, I can't remember what it was in relation to, but you asked my opinion on something and I said, it's fine. And you, you were nonplussed with my <laughs> my use of the word. And now I understand why. Mm, well, I think you saying something's fine is different to Matt saying something's fine. You saying something's fine means, oh, my God, the world's ending. Because <laughs> you're the hype man. But for Matt, that just means, yep, fine. Better days ahead, right. hopefully. Okay. And actually, I think that, that that does sum up the feeling after day one of this particular event, because like I said, there's only been two ties today. There's a lot more to come. At some point, we're going to get that deciding rubber in the doubles where everybody just goes, these team competitions are the best. Um, we just haven't had that today, but we have had some some very good tennis. Let's let's talk about them in order, shall we? Because first of all, we had Australia against Slovakia and the Billie Jean King Cup finals were, was opened, Matt, with Victoria Kozmova. But she lost are the words you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To Storm Sanders, who in itself is a name that I always want to celebrate because it's just it just sounds really cool. What is Storm Sanders like as a player? Well, just on her name, she's getting married next week. And if she takes her husband husband's name, she will be Storm Hunter. Oh, my word. That's even better. <laughs> it's not better than Storm Sanders pretty good come on storm hunter he should take her name what's his first name do we know? don't know doesn't matter i'm j- i just like the names <laughs> i very much take your points um but six four six three or, or they could go San- sanders hunter they could yeah i don't know i'll you talk amongst yourselves i'll work on an amalgam <laughs> have a thing for you and i'll let you know okay thanks catherine um what uh, what was the what were the matches like today? Because you had Storm Sanders beating Victoria Kosmova, then you had Isla Tomljanovic really thrashing Anna Karolina Schmidlova six one six two, 
And it's actually, I mean, it feels like a bit of a continuation of Tom Lianovich's year generally because she's played really well. What what was, were there any moments in certainly the first match which made you think that that might go Kuzmova's way, Matt? Not that you were cheering for her or anything. <laughs> no, those days are in the past. <laughs> uh, she was up a break, Victoria Kuzmova. She started well. She went up 4-3 in that first set. And that was the turning point, really, because Storm Sanders uh, then really upped her game and broke back, held and then broke again to take the first set. And Storm Sanders is a player who I associate with this event because it was in Prague last year where she beat Elise Mertens and had the best win of her career there and did a really good job for Australia stepping in for Tom Janovic because Tom Janovic uh, got ill 12 months ago and, and couldn't end up playing. And yeah, it was quite a nice thing, I think, that she got picked to play that match, even though she isn't the second highest ranked Australian here in singles. Uh, but Alicia Mollick really trusts her, I think. And she's got quite a nice game, Sanders. It's it's quite a compact, lefty game. She crouches very low, hits the ball early. And she really won a lot of the baseline rallies over Kuzmova and, and was far the better player, I felt, and very much deserved to win. And I think last year, I, I really felt like maybe the Billie Jean King Cup finals would be a bit of a springboard for her to you know, go on and improve her singles ranking. And honestly, that hasn't happened. She's actually ranked far lower in singles now than she was this time last year. But what she has done is become a great doubles player. She won the US Open mixed doubles title this year. She's been as high as number eight in the world in doubles this year. She, she wasn't at the WTA finals because she hasn't had a really consistent partner. So as a team, she didn't have enough points to qualify. But individually, she's a great doubles player now. And, and she said that she took a lot of confidence from doing so well in the Billie Jean King Cup last year. And she used to play doubles with Ash Barty, of course. They're, they're good friends, aren't they? So I, I assume she can only have uh, absorbed mm. good things from her. Mm. Do you know, um, when I was doing my newsletter predictions for this week earlier, I hovered over Australia because there were a lot of points on offer for Australia and I I bottled it, <laughs> let's be honest. I bottled it and I went for Switzerland in the end, um, which was nothing like the same amount of points. Do, do you feel like, I mean, obviously anybody can win it pretty much who's mathematically in with a shout, but does it does it feel from what you've seen today that Australia could have a chance of this thing? Well, what I think is interesting is the way that the draw has worked out. And actually, I think the two toughest groups are on the same side of the draw. So they will meet each other in the semifinals. So that's the winner of uh, the Switzerland, Canada, Italy group will meet the winner of the Czech Republic, USA, Poland group in the semifinals. Oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd worked that out before <laughs> I went with Switzerland. <laughs> so I do think that opens the door for a team potentially like Australia or potentially Kazakhstan, who we saw today as well, to go through on the other side of the draw, where I think things are a little bit weaker and potentially make the final. And I really like Alicia Mollick as a captain. She's, I find her very convincing. She, she speaks very seriously and obviously all, all, all the captains take it seriously, but I'm just, I'm just persuaded by her. And she is, she is talking in those terms. She, she really wants 
to win this event. And Australia have, have been finalists a few years ago, semi-finalists last year. They've performed well in this event. So I do think with the draw, with Tomjanovic in form, with the fact that they do have a pretty good doubles team, even though they lost today, they've got a chance for sure. Whenever I hear Alicia Mollick speak, I always think, I'd be happy for you to life coach me. <laughs> yes. I mean, tennis coach me also, but do you know what I mean? I'd happy for you to just have a weekly session with you where you tell me what's gone well, what I could be doing better. Just, just guide me in the right direction. <laughs> me too. And actually, I think she would be a brilliant tennis coach generally. Obviously, she's a very good uh, Billie Jean King Cup guide for her team. And it's look, it's it's such an enormous commitment to be a travelling coach. Maybe she could be one of those ones who's a joint coach of a player and able to to not have to do the whole grind all on her own. But I mean, just imagine how good about yourself you'd feel each day you went into matches if Alicia Mollick was telling you what to do. Oh, it'd be great. Um, well, one of the players that won handily today, Tom Janovic, six one six two. Matt went in and uh, and had a chat with her in in a press conference in which Matt was the only reporter. So let's have a little listen to that exchange. On a personal level for you, this second half of the season, you've won so many matches, I think 22 of your last 31 now. What's clicked? Um, a lot of things, I think. Um, but mostly, if I have to put it to one thing, it's the just my where my head's at in my life. Um, I think that translates to the court. I'm happy. I'm tennis is is fun again. Uh, even when I'm losing, I'm finding joy, which is really all it's ever been and it's supposed to be. Um, I lost a little bit there for you know a year or so, and but it happens. It's it's okay. Um, we love what we do, but tough times come, and that's okay. But uh, I figured it out, and they might come again, and it's just about you know day in and out trying to being curious about what their problems are and getting better on a slightly different note i'm just wondering what it's been like having the netflix cameras following you around has has the experience been as you expected it would be yeah i mean i i had a big big think about it when when it came up because i think this kind of stuff only works if you're really honest and you you're yourself 100 percent. that's why I really, you know, had to think about it because I am, I was, I, I feel like I did let the cameras in a lot. Um, so I, I guess we'll see. I mean, I had fun with it because I think it's fun for the people to see that it's not just sunshine and rainbows all the time. And there's so many things behind the scenes that happen that people don't get to see because we're just on the court and then we get off. And um, I think it'll be fun for the, whoever is a tennis fan or a non-tennis fan, just to see how we do it. Do you think there's any connection between the fact that you have been followed by Netflix this year and you've had a really good season, just almost sort of wanting wanting to perform well? For- because of Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I mean, look, uh, you don't really know. I, I didn't think once that you know when i'm winning oh my gosh this is gonna look cool on netflix it's it's a bonus it's great like some people have felt that oh well i mean if it's added motivation great um i have thought like maybe you know if i don't have a big tournament where i do well i won't have maybe that moment on camera where they're gonna highlight it but 
at the same time, I mean, you know, I started playing tennis way before Netflix came around and my goals and dreams are, are bigger than that. But it's cool that, you know, I had some good moments this year that they captured. Matt with the Netflix goss. Brilliant. <laughs> she she sounds like she's going to have been really interesting to, to follow by those cameras and interesting for us to watch, Catherine. Well, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm privy to a, a little bit of information about what to expect from... Um, from the Netflix series, which will come out early next year. I, I I probably can't say too much, but I do definitely know that the 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 whole team have been completely enamoured with with Isla Tomljanovic. She is she's been a popular choice of a player to to follow. People just like her. You know, people just really, really take to her. And I think in all honesty you know, looking at her results, I know she made her uh, debut Grand Slam quarterfinal last year at Wimbledon. But honestly, I think the decision probably for her to be one of the chosen players was to do with who she was in a relationship with at the start of the season. I don't think it was any accident that Matteo Berrettini was also chosen. Obviously, they're, as we understand from Instagram activity, no longer together. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think she's been of far more interest way beyond that relationship i mean don't get me wrong i will be tuning in eagerly to uh whatever <laughs> whatever coverage there is in the documentary uh about their relationship and its demise but i also think she's just been she's just been a, a really engaging player to follow for the year and i think obviously they lucked out with her being the the player to, to end serena williams career as well but i think she might be somebody that we learn an awful lot about from a from a pretty standing start, Ila Tomljanovic via via that show, and it's really interesting hearing her talk about her experience of it. And you know, I don't think it's any accident that they speak so highly of her um, because she's obviously gone into it with the right attitude, hasn't she? You know, I think it's one of those things where you you get out of it what you put in, and she's obviously fully committed to to showing her whole self to them and. Yeah, it sounds like her whole self is pretty cool. When does this Netflix documentary come out, Catherine? When does it start rolling out? You know? um, I think there are. Uh, it's going to drop in two two blocks. Okay. Um, and I I believe the the first block of episodes will be around about the start of the Australian Open. Oh, not too long to wait then. Mm. Excellent. Mm. Uh, 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 I I propose a, a watch along and a review show. Oh, okay. Well, Sorry. right. I, sorry, I briefly mistook this for a planning meeting, uh, but I, I will be proposing that. Co-sign. I'm, we're in. We're up for it. Um, Matt, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. I, I know when you sent me the link to have a listen to it, I I, I didn't really have much of an opinion of Ila Tamljanovic. I don't think I've really heard that many interviews of hers. I mean, that's just two and a half minutes. What an interesting person she sounds and how engaging she sounds. I wanted to listen more to to what she's got to say about all manner of things in life. But was was that a surprise to you when you when you sat down and, and had a chat with her? I mean, it is a, a different vibe, isn't it, when it's basically just the two of you, which it isn't often like that in a press conference scenario. Yeah, that's right. It um, almost gets a little bit awkward when you're asking one question after another, after another, after another. You sort of really don't want to feel like, you know, the player's undergoing some kind of inquisition from you. And yet I don't think she would because she was extremely 
open to having a chat. It obviously helped that she'd just won. And, you know, we talked first about the match. Um, and then I thought she was really honest about her year and what she thinks has turned around for her since since Wimbledon. And then I just thought, let's tag on a couple of questions about Netflix because I knew that she'd been one of the players that they were focusing on this year. And <laughs> I don't know, I'm I'm convinced that the sort of observer effect is a very real thing and, and, and you do behave a bit differently when you're being watched. And I didn't sort of t- really mean to correlate her results with the fact that she's been on Netflix this year. But the fact is... I thought that was a really interesting insight at the end of her answer there, where she said she, she's aware that she wanted to have a moment for the cameras. And of course, she absolutely got one by being the person to end Serena Williams's career at the US Open and then go on to reach the US Open quarterfinals as well. So I do think that she's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch on that series and we're going to find out a lot more about her. And I think a lot of people are going to really like Ilya Tomjanovic from that series. Well, what's the other match that Australia will play? Who else is in that group? Remind me, Matt. So Australia will play Belgium on Thursday. So it's Belgium, Slovakia Ooh. tomorrow. And so Australia's fate is kind of in their own hands, really. If, if they beat Belgium on Thursday, they will be through in the group. Mm, that that could be a really good tie. Uh, look forward to that one. Okay. Well, the other match that was played today was GB against Kazakhstan, and it was two zero for Kazakhstan. Both matches had moments where there were there were some close moments. I mean, obviously, Katie Bolter got off to a really good start against Yulia Putintseva. She won the first set. She was competitive early on in the second set, and then it went awry pretty dramatically, pretty quickly. Seemed to me, Matt, that Putitseva really found some form, and and was Katie Bolter fully fit? I mean, she she had some treatment uh, later on in that match, didn't she? She did. She said uh, she had a bit of a tight calf. She also had some strapping on on her shoulder. I must say, in the press, she was absolutely not blaming those injuries at all. Uh, but obviously, there is a history there of her body maybe not holding up particularly well physically. Um, she came out playing brilliantly, real statement of intent in that first set, broke in the very first game of the match, just a reminder of how good she can be. But Putin Saver not only is a great fighter, and she, she's someone I would want on my team in this sort of event and would absolutely loathe playing against. I, I'm drawn to her in this competition perhaps more than ever because... You know, she sort of embodies the spirit of it. And there was quite a funny moment in the encore interview afterwards where the interviewer said, that was a pretty good fight back from you, wasn't it? And she just laughed and said, yeah, always. As though, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I do. Don't you know who I am? Um, but not only does she have that fighting spirit, I think she's also quite a smart player. And she really changed her tactics to halfway through that match and because she was getting rushed by Bolter and she just took a step back, started looping the ball a little bit more, gave herself a lot more time and that seemed to really turn it around. Um, So it's now the third time, I think, that she's beaten Bolter. The other sort of memorable match they played was, of course, uh, in this competition three years ago in the Copper Box where it went all the way to a deciding set tie break. Bolter wasn't able to sustain her level for that long today. She had a set, maybe the start of the second set as well, when she was playing well. But otherwise, Putin Saver took over. And honestly, that third set could have been six love. 
Bolter did well to um, battle through the games that she did win, but Putin Saver really had control of things by then, and it was just it was just sort of a reminder of how how special that event was in 2019 with Great Britain doing what they did by beating Kazakhstan. It's very hard to recapture that magic. I think you know that it was it was it was a perfect set of circumstances. Today, the crowd wasn't quite as in as big it wasn't quite as excited as it was back then and the whole occasion was a little bit flatter to be honest and then Kazakhstan knowing that they then had Wimbledon champion Rabatkina in their ranks it was just always going to be a tough ask for Britain and I think the combination of Putin Saver and Rabatkina is an interesting one because they're totally different personalities you had Putin Saver who managed to sort of get the crowd involved and then kill the atmosphere by winning and then Rabatkina just entered into that environment where the atmosphere was flat and just took about hitting winners and serving aces and keeping it pretty flat. It was kind of a pretty perfect combination for them. She's an awesome player, Rabatkina, Catherine, when she hits the stride, isn't she? I mean, Harriet Dart has had had some results this year and she managed to make the second set competitive. But the first set in a bit, I mean, it was like they were playing two different sports. Yeah, I mean she can she can do that, Rebecca, can't she? I mean Harriet Dart is underpowered relatively against most players. You know, power isn't her strength. She has to use guile and courtcraft and get her opponents on the move. But Rebecca is not that bad a mover for someone of her stature and her height. Like it's actually, I think it's actually quite hard to to really expose that movement. And yeah, and in order to do it. You have to get your racket on the ball, which Rabatkina in this kind of form makes really hard. And I do just wonder if in a very placid Elena Rabatkina knee, what was that word? Elena Rabatka. <laughs> we know what Elena Rabatka. Oh my God. <laughs> Elena Rabatkina E sort of way. Yeah. She's got a bit of a point to prove with what with not being at the WTA finals, you know? I I think I don't know whether she'd she'd ever state it plainly, but I think it probably really hurt for her not to to be able to take her place there. And I know Novak Djokovic has qualified for the ATP finals by right, and the point is now moot. But, but the fact is, he you know we all know he would have been able to to play there had he not qualified by right in the in the top eight, and that disparity between the WTA and the ATP rules was absurd. Quite frankly, they should have had the same rule. Agreed. Um, so so I I think I think that probably yeah would have hurt her a little bit, and I think she's probably maybe point to prove is a, is a is a bit much. I don't know enough about her psychology to know if she's that kind of contrarian character, but I suspect she's been raring to go. She does look like that. that. Way. She looks fresh, doesn't she? And I, I, I noted when she did her on-court interview afterwards, she looked really energised and pumped, frankly, to have the, the crowd support that Kazakhstan brings with it. So they bring their trumpeteer and they really get into it. And she, she looked really chuffed to be out there and and in amongst it again, because yeah, she she would have been sitting back watching these players the last week in Fort Worth and thinking, well, I could have been amongst that. Yeah, I mean, I think the expression "chip on your shoulder" is obviously is is sometimes seen as a bit of a negative, but actually, I think she is playing with a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. 
you could tell that mm. from the comments she made at the US Open about how she felt like she had been sort of ill-treated as the Wimbledon champion between Wimbledon and the US Open and maybe wasn't quite getting the respect that she deserved. I should say, I don't actually think she ended up finishing in the top 20 in the race. I think she was just outside. So she would have had to have actually had some better results, even if that rule had been in place. But if it had been in place, she might have been more motivated. She'd have had something to play for, yeah. Exactly, and had something to play for. Mind you, she she was making the point at the US Open that, frankly, there should have been points uh, at Wimbledon, Mm. in her view, that would have meant that that was all irrelevant anyway, and she would have been comfortably inside the world's top 10. Um, What have we got tomorrow, Matt, because that's uh, wins for Australia and Kazakhstan today. I mean, it gets it gets busy tomorrow. It does, yes. They eased us in pretty gently today with just the two ties, but there are four tomorrow. So two in the morning and two in the afternoon. Um, we've got Switzerland, Italy on the centre court at 10 a.m. And then Belgium, Slovakia on court one or the Sir Chris Hoy Velodrome at 10 a.m. And then 4 p.m. we've got USA, Poland and Spain, Kazakhstan. So if if Kazakhstan win that and, you know, you would probably say they're the favourites. It's it's pretty tight, but Rebekkin has been in better form than, than Paolo Balossa. That will mean that that Great Britain's second tie against um, Spain is a is a dead dead tie, you know, because Kazakhstan can seal their qualification tomorrow. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. You may know that I'm into my cooking, and I particularly like it when Catherine and Matt come to Solihull for meetings so that I can, you know, show off with my culinary talent. However, even I can do with a bit of help sometimes, and being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is pretty appealing to me, and Home Chef's meals, well, they're effortless. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. It's economical too. Home Chef customers save on average $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com forward slash tennis. That's homechef.com forward slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. homechef.com forward slash tennis and you must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. 
It's going to be very interesting to see how, how it goes tomorrow. Catherine, um, Matt and I, in the newsletter today, I went for Switzerland, as I said. Matt's gone for Canada, swept up in the Bianca Andreescu <laughs> uh, factor. What uh, I know, you actually went for a player from the next-gen finals as your pick for the week. But if you look just at the Billie Jean King Cup finals... Who are you going for? Well, obviously, I too am very much swept <laughs> up on the uh, on the Andrescu wave. Um, so I find it very hard not to go for that. It's also just very difficult not to pick Czech Republic in Billie Jean King Cup, isn't it? That's such a boring pick. But um, just the depth, the depth is pretty irresistible. Uh, I'm not saying anything particularly exciting here. I'm not saying, not doing a U and, you know hovering over someone unlikely. I think it is going to be one of the big guns this time around. If Rabakina keeps playing like that, though, you know, Kazakhstan remember the shout because Putin Save is a, a great second player to have on the team. Um, and as as you said, I think other players just hate playing Junior Putin Saver. <laughs> I think they just hate it so much. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, USA, I'm interested to see Katie McNally, if she gets a, a run out, she's, she's riding high, isn't she? I know she's a, a very late entrant, um, whether she'll actually play, I don't know. Um, just naming names now, aren't <laughs> I? Basically I'm padding out my answer, which is Canada and Andrescu. Okay. I'm, right. I'm swept away. <laughs> And also, there's a reason I went for Jack Draper in the newsletter predictions. Please, <laughs> yes, exactly. Please don't make me don't pick know. the Billie Jean King Cup winner. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it shows it's, it's close, it's competitive, and I really, really, really wish I'd gone for Australia now. Anyway, uh, let's see how it goes over the next few days. Um, if you want tickets to go and watch the Billie Jean King Cup finals in Glasgow, there are some available. If you have a look in your show notes to this podcast, there's a link there to get to access to tickets, or just go to the Billie Jean King Cup uh, finals website, and you'll be able to find them there. Um, right. The WTA finals concluded uh, overnight. I, I got up this morning, managed to avoid the result, and just watched all of the the Caroline Garcia against Serena Sabalenka match. The it was won by Garcia seven six six four. I don't know how much you guys saw of it. The first set was some of the highest quality tennis I've seen in a long time, but from two players at the same time. I mean, there were there weren't that many. You know, there was there was nothing against the serve. It was all it was pretty serve dominated, and yet it still managed to be utterly captivating. Because you know, you look at the the statistics at the at the end of the set, and there's way more winners than there is, than there are unforced errors. And I've commentated on matches like that, and they just seem to fly by, and you just seem to not get irritated by any of it really, because because you're just swept up with the winners and the the reaction to the winners, and there were there was a much bigger crowd than there'd been at the start of the week. So it just felt like a big, a big deal. But crikey, Caroline Garcia, that is one heck of a run she's had since June. She was ranked in the mid seventies, Catherine. I mean, that that's astonishing that she even made it to this tournament, uh, let alone do what she ended up doing. Yeah. Her, her season started on the grass didn't it? Yeah. Winning that title in Berlin, beating Andrescu in the final, then beating Emma Adekanu at, at Wimbledon. And she actually, 
as much as I think of her as a really inconsistent player, second half of the season has been incredibly consistent from her. If you sort of average out the season, it's been weirdly inconsistent because the first half's been so different to the second half. But um, yeah, she's she's becoming an increasingly compelling tennis player, isn't she? She and I'm fascinated, given that she's been in this situation before. I know she didn't win the finals in 2018, but she's had an incredible run and hit seemingly top form at this stage of a season before and previously been completely unable to pick it up again in the following year. What will she have learned from that experience? How can she make it different this time? I'm so fascinated by how she performs, how she comes out of the gate in Australia next year. So, so fascinated by it. And Sabalenka as well. I don't understand Arena Sabalenka. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waffle around that fact. I do not understand her as a tennis player, uh, but she's incredibly fascinating. And I loved that first set. I loved that they got a decent crowd in and the fact that there was a really good crowd for that final just illustrates the fact that people do want to watch this stuff. Word obviously got around. I know it's the final, so you're always going to have better ticket sales for any final, but word obviously got around, you know, once people knew and were aware that this really great sporting event was happening down the road from them or whatever, they showed up, they got a ticket. You know, the WTA are in a very difficult position with their contract in China. They can only offer one-year event licenses at the moment for these year-end finals, and they're not allowed to do that until quite late in the day. So they're just locked in a situation where they're unable to promote these events and the the hosts are unable to promote them far enough out to to make them properly successful which is a grave shame but to anyone that just casually looks at it and looks at the the lack of attendance and tosses out you know assessments of how much people want to watch women's tennis just don't do that please because it's an incredibly complicated and nuanced situation and I you know given all that I was relieved and delighted to see the the atmosphere that they had for that final. And and that was a French woman against a Belarusian woman. This, mm. These are not household names in America. Um, so I think it sh- does show the strength of the product generally in terms of its ability to start gathering pace, as you say. And if the event were to return to Fort Worth for two, three years in a row, who knows what they might be able to achieve. But Matt, just on the... Um, the point Catherine was making about what Garcia might be able to do as this of this now transitions into next year, and Sabalenka for that matter, given you know all the names we've had in the past, I decided yesterday that yes, Garcia is going to capitalize on this, and she is not going to disappear into the wilderness again. She's going to be a factor early on next year. What say you? I think I agree with you, David. I think this feels a bit different to a few years ago because, as Catherine said, it's been it's been a much longer period of consistency than she's had before, and it's been across multiple different surfaces. You know, she's proved herself kind of at every juncture, the grass court season, that weird bit of clay before the U.S. hard court season, and then she finally had a run at a slam, you know, a really deep run. She played well at the US Open. 
And I think that's why this WTA Finals win feels really big to me because if there was one disappointment of the Garcia second half of the season, it was that US Open semi-final where she just, it was a complete no-show. She had a she had a disaster against Ons Jabeur. And I felt like she needed to prove again that she can really play her best tennis in a very, very important match like this was, the, you know, the final of the WTA finals, one of the biggest matches she's ever played. And she was brilliant. And I think that's a really big deal for her. And I think she's also done it with her coach, without her coach. I think she just completely trusts this approach this game style now that she's adopted and i i hope she takes that into next year um so yeah i'm i'm pretty hopeful that garcia will be a real factor next season and won't just won't just fall away um and this match was great wasn't it i only managed to see bits and pieces and highlights but what i realized is how we've talked a lot about variety and subtlety and touch those have been real buzzwords in in tennis over the last few years this was kind of not like that this was just really (laughs) big hitting from both players and there was something really enjoyable about it as well because they were both playing so well at the same time as you said I think there was only there was only one break point in the entire match wasn't there and and Garcia converted it that was all she needed Sabalenka did not play badly by any means and I think if we reflect on Sabalenka's year, it's been extremely impressive as well, the progress that she's made from a position at the start of the year in January where she was clearly completely in her own head about her serve and it was therefore affecting kind of everything on the court. And now I think she's less worried about what her serve is doing. She's able to accept double faults might come and therefore she's not serving as many because she's just in a better mental space about it and her serve being such a mess at the start of the year I think has actually made her improve her weapons generally you know she's had to rely on other parts of her game so she feels like a better player than she was 12 months ago I still don't know if I trust her over seven matches in a slam you know, I still think she has a bad performance in her, perhaps, or a bad couple of sets, and, and that, you know, that can be the difference. Um, but, you know, t- 12 months ago, I was definitely, definitely thinking that Sabalenka wasn't really a factor in the big events, but I think she is again now. And so I think both players are going to be, going to be, you know, must-watches in, uh, in 2023. Oh. I like it. Everybody's being punchy today. This is great. Uh, And actually, just on the subject of two big hitters against each other, it often makes me shudder at the prospect of it because so often they're error-strewn matches because they're both trying to tee off on balls that are just not really on. And yet these two women were just middling the ball back at each other. And the crowd were gasping with the power and the fact that so many of them were ending with winners. It was just a joy. Do go back and watch it if you can. It was such a an advert, or not an advert for it, it was such a, a demonstration of mem- the significance of momentum in tennis, wasn't it? Because you had this first set, which was totally dominated by the servers, servers felt inexorably headed towards a tie break from pretty much the first point. And then, you know, goes to a tie break, won by Caroline Garcia. And then in the first game of the second set, there's a break of serve. Garcia breaks the, the Sabalenka serve. She carries that momentum on 
of winning the the first set to to double down on it at the start of the second and from that point the match felt not over but I don't know Garcia just filled me with filled me with confidence it is such a confidence game she plays isn't it that that standing on the service line to to return serve I can't can't imagine doing that if you're having a crisis of confidence of any any sort you just feel a, a bit daft <laughs> wouldn't you standing there if you're having any kind of self-doubt but yeah she's goodness me she's she's riding high you know how when two big hitters face each other we might often say that you would feel sorry for the tennis balls well i've just witnessed the scene here in the Sir Chris Hoy velodrome after the, after the Czech team had finished their practice. And a man had to come out onto the court afterwards with a leaf blower and collect up all the felt that had come off the tennis balls while they were hitting. I'd, I'd never actually seen anyone do that before, a huge pile of it on the court. And then I felt particularly sorry for him because then some more people started hitting. And once, you know, he, he'd come up with his nice little pile and then suddenly felt was sprayed all over the court again and he had to do it all over again but yeah literally tennis balls are falling apart when these when these pros are hitting them so so cleanly and hard very satisfying mm. uh, i've got a final question for you both about uh caroline garcia because you know it's what 11 years catherine since andy murray's tweet <laughs> are we ever going to quote retweet that tweet with he was right you know she's world number one about world number one could matt answer while i look at some points totals <laughs> come on matt matt just just give a nice long answer while i had to, to have a little explore around the wta website <laughs> my feeling is that she probably won't get to world number one uh i just think well quite frankly Iga fiontech feels like such a big obstacle in that what is she 29 garcia i think she's one of the one of the older winners of the wta finals i think only three or Mm. four players have been older to have won it there's probably another two or three years of her peak i suppose remaining um it's funny because this season has been characterized by consistency in the in in the second half but I, i still feel like she might have a big event she can win big but will she necessarily do it, you know, week in, week out across the year, which is what you need to do to be world number one? I'm, I'm not quite so sure, but maybe that's me ignoring what she's done this year, which has been so consistent. Um, I don't know, but I, but I don't think she needs to get to number one for us to be, you know, still bringing up that Andy Murray tweet. I feel like that is, uh, that is cemented that we do that whenever Caroline Garcia sort of does anything of note. I'm still waiting whether we'll ever bring up the Jensen Brooksby tweet that Andy Murray went big on when he, uh, when he compared him to Florian Meyer. That's one of my favourite Andy <laughs> Murray tweets. <laughs> I mean, on what occasion would we see fit to reference Andy Murray talking about Jensen Brooksby and Florian Meyer? That's... <laughs> I'm not quite sure what... Well, I managed to mention Federico Correa yesterday, David, so you'd be surprised what you can shoehorn in. (laughs) Okay, quickly, uh, Catherine, an answer. World Um, number one, Grand Slam champion. I think that at the moment, and I know this is recency bias because she can't possibly be world number one forevermore, but at the moment, it is almost impossible to envisage anyone 
other than Iga Swiatek being world number one. I mean, she's got more than double the points of of Jabeur in in second place. I would say that looking down these other names, I think she's as likely as anybody else that I'm looking at other than Iga Swiatek to reach world number one. I couldn't pick out another name and say, you're definitely more likely than Caroline Garcia to reach world number one. And yet because of Iga Swiatek, it's, it's hard to actually actually picture it. I think anybody's going to need Shviontek to have a dip um, to, to get to the top spot. But she's got as good a chance as any now, I okay. think. A very, a very nuanced and uh, sensible answer. Not what I was looking for at all. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for that. Now, the doubles champions at the WTA finals were Elisa Mertens and Veronika Kudamatova, who beat Barbara Krachikova and Katarina Siniakova 6-2, 4-6, 11-9 in the match tiebreak. And it was the high quality, certainly the, the second set and the end in terms of competitiveness that I would have expected. The first set was a surprising blowout, really. Uh, but I mean... I think you could just go back and watch the tie break. You know, that's 20 points worth to really get your your sense of what those two teams bring to the table. Absolutely fantastic final. And uh, yeah, it's quite, I, I always quite like seeing Mertens as a doubles champion because I, I never really think she's going to win big in singles. She's going to be reliable, but she, but she's a player that I always think she should play lots of doubles because she's bloody good at it. And she gets to have a glory that she probably won't get in singles. Um, and, uh, you know, she just seems good value for it. She puts it in every single tournament she plays. So well done to both of those. And and I think you could probably say the same for Veronica Kudamatova. They're, mm. they're sort of kindred spirits in that sense. And it's nice that two such consistent players have come together in doubles and and are able to win big. And I think, Quite frankly, whenever whenever any team manages to beat Krejcikova and Siniakova in a final, that's a that's a pretty big deal because they've they've had such dominance over the big events in doubles. And it was an amazing comeback in that tiebreak from Mertens and Kudamatova. I think they were seven two down and managed managed to win it eleven nine, as you said. And Elise Mertens finished her press commitments after that at 8 p.m. or around 8 p.m. and had a flight over to Glasgow at 10 p.m. So, I mean, can you imagine the travel stress that she went through in that hour and a half, two hours? But apparently she made it and uh, she's, yeah, she's due to play for Belgium this week. Well, it's a great story, one that we'll be able to follow over the next um, few days and see how she gets along. So, uh, our mascot for today is Jagger Rose, owned by Laura Broughton. Jagger is a, you might have to help me here, Catherine, a Bernadoodle who belongs to uh, to uh, Laura's beautiful and feisty niece, stroke goddaughter, Sophia. Uh, Jagger is just a pup, eight months old, but has eyes that make us know she is wise beyond her years. She loves cuddling, running on the beach, or anywhere really, and getting treats. And I and I do concur about the eyes, Catherine. That dog knows what mm. it's doing. <laughs> there's, there's, it's. I think it's not just the eyes, but it's the brows as well. Um, yeah, a Bernadoodle is a cross, David, between a Bernese Mountain Dog and a Poodle. And a Bernese Mountain Dog is one of my dream dogs. They're enormous. They're like bears 
basically, and you just want to sort of dive headfirst into them for like a full body cuddle. Um, <laughs> but they are utterly impractical, particularly if you live in London. <laughs> um, although I did use, there used to be somebody uh, down when I lived by, right by Putney Bridge, there used to be somebody that every day would walk to Bernie's Mountain Dogs <laughs> over Putney Bridge. And I think, where the hell do you live? <laughs> there is literally no abode big enough in southwest London to house two Bernese Mountain Dogs. Anyway, um, lovely cross. Obviously, Billie Jean is a, a poodle cross, so bit big fan. And uh, Jagger Rose is a delight. Absolutely right. Uh, we have our own mascots. I've got Darwin. Uh, Catherine's got Carter. Darwin, you and me nailed it this week. Brilliant. Uh, I don't. I think the comeback is maybe a little far fetched, but we'll keep trying. Uh, Matt is uh, has his mascot, the dearly departed Gerald. Uh, Billy Jean the dog is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. Uh, Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner are our executive producers and top blokes. And we have shout outs, Matt. We do. We have Christine Tenley who says that she is spreading the tennis podcast word in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Good on you, Christine. Love that. Uh, I've actually just started watching uh, the series Atlanta Have on you? Disney Plus as a result of uh, somebody that I worked with during the US Open from Atlanta telling me to watch Atlanta. What's it about? It's it's become a big it's it's about Atlanta, David. <laughs> um it's become a really big media hub, hasn't it? Atlanta, lots and lots of um, CNN moved there, a bunch of other networks, I think. There's a lot of filming of TV shows. It's like a little sort of, you know, media hub. You've not really sold it to me, Catherine. It's about Atlanta, but... Yeah, well, I've only only watched the first 10 minutes, but it looks very good. It comes very highly recommended. And I would like to visit Atlanta. It looks fun. Well, I do know, Catherine, that Atlanta is one of the places that you've uh, requested for Taylor Swift tickets. Yes. Yes, David. Uh, Taylor Swift has announced a tour, but only given US dates. And I, I simply cannot wait for uh, for European dates to be announced. So Matt and I have, we've applied. You have to put your order of preference for locations and dates. So number one is Vegas. <laughs> right. And number two is Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> Who'd have thought that shout out would have, would have ended up there? We'll we'll submit our holiday requests once okay. we know. Okay. Tickets right. tickets on sale November thirteenth. Excellent. We've got four more shout outs to go. Then so we better <laughs> we better be a bit more uh, snappy. Who we got? We've got Catherine Lau in Sydney, Australia, but born in New Zealand. And I can report, same church, same pew. Oh, well, this is nice and easy. Catherine, you're great. <laughs> well done. Because her name's spelt the same as yours. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> same church, same pew. Take uh, a seat, Catherine. Are, are there any other tennis Catherines? We don't need any more, do we? You'll do. I, I believe Katie McNally is originally mm. Catherine with a C. Okay. Brilliant. Catherine, thank you so much for being a friend of the tennis podcast. We've also got Ethan Normandy from Long Island, New York. Oh, hello, Ethan. Um, Like Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise's character in Mission Impossible. Mm. Yeah, and Ethan Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, the actor, who was in that uh, Beyond Sunrise or Sunset or something. Remember that? Nope. 
No. What's the matter with you two people? What else has he been in? That's all he's been in. And Dead Poets Society, he, obviously. Dead Poets Society, yeah. The 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 um, adaptation of Great Expectations with Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert De Niro. Okay. Sli- slightly weird film, that, actually. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan. Yeah. Cheers, Ethan. We've got someone else from Long Island, New York. That is Carolyn. And she says that she's nostalgic for the stoicism of Ivan Lendl. Quite oh. right. I'm with you there. You've pressed some buttons there, Carolyn. <laughs> Carolyn, I'm sort of, you know, when Ivan Lendl was a player more than a coach, you know, I, I'm with you there, you know. We remember, don't we? That, you know, these youngins, they just think, no, they just think Ivan Lendl. You don't, you don't get aggro with stoicism. <laughs> I want people to emote you did with as Lendl hard as they style. possibly can. But Lendl seemed to extract it from the opponent. That was the that was his ability. Mm, okay, fair, fair dues. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you, Carolyn. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. And the final one tonight is Eric in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which he says is home of Vavara Lepchenko. <laughs> <laughs> wow, which I can't say without laughing. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a good fact. <laughs> it's niche, Isn't there a but... song with Allentown in the title? No? I can hear the tapping of your keyboard I'm <laughs> as you Google I'm Googling that. it, David. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite an It's experience. a song. It's a song by Billy Joel. Oh. Yes, I haven't imagined this. What what town is the song Allentown about? The song's theme centres around the resilience of Allentown, Pennsylvania, and the region in the 1980s as it coped with the decline of its historically strong manufacturing sector and the emergence of the Rust Belt in the latter part of the 20th century, including the depressed blue-collar livelihood of Allentown. You are welcome, folks. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, I thanks. think I've done... Blooming well there. Thanks, Eric. Wikipedia has. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> the shout-outs have taken us in all sorts of directions today. Is that, is that it, Matt? Or <laughs> that is it. it. That is right. it. Okay. Well, well, the good news is, folks, we're back every single day during the Billy Jenkins Cup finals, uh, and Matt will be there in Glasgow. Goodness knows where he'll end up tomorrow for the show, but uh, we'll look forward to finding out. Um, Catherine, lovely to have you back on the show. Lovely to be all together. It's just been two out of the three of us for the mm. last few, so this has been very nice. Isn't it just? Catherine needs to go and pack because uh, Turin calls very soon. Uh, that That's the job tomorrow, Catherine? One, one of. One yep. of, yep. Mm. Okay. Well, we got we got the visas done for Australia, so, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's all happening, and we'll be back with you again with another edition of the Tennis Podcast tomorrow. Uh, become a friend of the pod if you'd like some more listening material. We've got 25 bonus shows that are right there waiting for you, uh, and it's your way to support the ongoing, hopefully, prosperity of this show. Thank you very much for listening to this one, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. 